Hello, my name is Sarah Jane Sana, and, and I am a charity solicitor here at Wentworth Sherwood. Our charities practice helps a broad range of charities, from family foundations and grant-making charities, through to educational institutions and social enterprises. Thank you for participating in the Next Generation series so far. This final topic in the series is all about charities, giving safely and getting involved. In this session, we will be looking at things to be aware of when making donations to charities to ensure you give safely and that your money will make a difference. We will also be looking at things to think about if you are considering volunteering to be a trustee or even setting up a charity. So we will first look at giving money to charities. Britain has a long history of charity. It is part of the fabric of our society. And to this day, there are more than 168,000 registered charities in the UK doing vital work. The effects of the pandemic have only served to highlight the importance and value of charities and of course of charitable giving to support this work. The country has really rallied together at this difficult time and the work of charities has been and continues to be a major focus, helping those most in need at this time. I'm sure we have all got involved somehow. Who was not inspired by the efforts of Captain Tom to raise a whopping 32 million pounds for NHS charities? Perhaps some of you supported your local food bank, volunteered for the NHS, or participated in the Run 5K, Give 5 Pounds, or, or Bake 5 Cakes, Give 5 Pounds for that matter. Charities need money more than ever because of an increased need for services amidst a decline in income caused by COVID, from the cancellation of fundraising events to the closure of charity shops. It's been a very difficult year. On the other hand, you may be facing financial constraints of your own this year, impacting how much you can give to charity or whether you can give at all. Indeed, a recent report from the Charities Aid Foundation shows that one in 20 people have cancelled a regular, a regular charity donation during the pandemic because of worries about their own financial situation with young people more likely to do so than those over the age of 65. You may also be concerned about charity fraud. The charity sector generates an annual income of over £76 billion, so it is an attractive target for criminals. Sadly, fraud has increased during the pandemic, as fraudsters take advantage of people's generosity at this difficult time. So more than ever, whilst you may wish to make a donation to charity, you also want to make sure that your money is going to make a difference and that it's going into safe hands. So we'll now look at some simple steps you can take to make sure that your money is going to the right place and that it will do what you want it to, whether that's helping people in your local community impacted by COVID, helping to protect the environment, or putting your funds to use overseas. Here are some steps to think about that may help put your mind at ease when making donations to charities so you are not put off from giving and know that your hard earned money is going to the right place. How much due diligence you do will depend on the type of charity, 
on how much you wish to give and how you are giving. Now, you may already be doing some of these things, in which case, great, keep doing them. In fact, research in 2019 carried out by the Charity Commission indicates that young people are more clued up to doing checks on charities before they give than the over 75s are. This may be because young people are just more aware of the availability of information online or because they are more targeted in their approach to charities they support. The fact that today's culture is increasingly one of transparency may also be a factor, particularly as a result of the negative press around national charities these last few years. So what are these simple checks? First, check the charity's name or registration number on the Charity Commission's online register of charities. Most charities with an annual income of £5,000 or more must be registered. So this check can help assess whether the charity you are giving to is a genuine one. Of course, there will be charities that aren't required to register, but the majority are. Now, whilst this may seem like a very obvious check, it's an important one. I find it helpful to be clear on exactly which legal entity will receive my money to check that the charity matches my values and that I wish to support it. You can also check the charity's objects or its purposes. Now, objects are the legal description and identification of what a charity is set up to do. All of a charity's activities must further its objects. It is helpful to check a charity's objects to ensure they fit with the type of charity you wish to support. Whilst you may support a particular type of activity a charity is carrying out, you may not support their wider objects. Objects are not to be confused with the charity's mission statement, which is often very different. You can find the charity's objects on the Charity Commission's Register of Charities. Now, this register also has a host of other factual information about charities that is very easy to access. The register was relaunched in September 2020 with more information about each charity than ever before, and it's aimed to increase transparency and thereby public trust in charities. You can use the register to check who the trustees of the charity are, whether the charity is subject to any regulatory investigation. You can view their accounts. You can get detail on how it spends its money and much more. Whilst you may be able to get this information on the charity's own website, this is not always the case. And you can rely on the accuracy of the register in a way that you can't always with websites. Now, thinking about a charity's accounts, whilst not for everyone, taking a quick look at the charity's accounts can be a really helpful way of getting more detail on exactly how a charity is spending its money, especially when you're considering a more regular donation or even a larger donation. The accounts aren't just about numbers, they also contain a report from the charity trustees and what they got up to this last year, which serves as a really helpful summary for you, the donor. Moving on to online fundraising pages, which I know are very popular, but one should be cautious about. Checks to think about here. Only donate to fundraising pages created by a genuine charity for a specific appeal or by someone you know and trust who is fundraising money for a genuine charity. 
most of the time this this isn't an issue you are usually just sponsoring a school or a university friend's latest crazy sporting challenge but be wary of just sporting an appeal set up by someone you don't know be particularly careful when these appeal pages are set up quickly in response to an international humanitarian disaster as these pages can sometimes be fraudulent if there is a target for an appeal check what will happen if that target is not achieved is there another purpose the funds will be used to support and what happens to any additional money raised over and above the target will it go to the charity's general funds or to another project if the money is go to another project are you happy to support that project you can also check whether the charity is registered with the fundraising regulator. All charities registered here have made a commitment to good fundraising practice. So this is a helpful check to do. Another tip. Now, most people in our generation are making donations online rather than in cash. Think of an online donation like any other internet transaction, taking the same care and proportions Watch out for unsolicited emails from charities you've never heard of and never respond to requests asking for cash to be sent through a money transfer company. Finally, if we ever get back to a time when someone in fancy dress is collecting for charity on public transport or at the shopping centre, make sure their collection bucket is sealed and that it has the name of the charity on it. You can also ask a collector for their fundraiser ID and exactly what charity they're collecting for if it's not already clear. So there you go, a few simple checks to help you. Now we've looked at general donations and most of the time that's the main type of donation you will want to make, i.e. the donation goes into the charity's general unrestricted funds, which are available for use for any or all of the charity's permitted activities. This type of donation is most helpful to charities as it gives them the flexibility as to how to allocate funds according to their needs. However, if you are making a sizable donation and you never know, you may win the lottery, you may wish to consider restricting how the fund is able to spend the donation. Achieving this is not as simple as indicating a desire, a wish, or a recommendation. These funds are held by charities on specific trusts under charity law. There has to be intention to set up this type of restricted fund, and this should be documented to ensure a restricted fund is indeed created on donation. And this is something you may wish to seek charity law advice on. The downside for the charity here is that they have to account for such funds separately and it is hard to release these restricted funds. And this can cause issues for the charity further down the line. But the benefit for you is that where you are giving a sizable donation, you can to some extent control how it is used by the charity, which can be very helpful. Now, Moving away from giving your money to charity and instead thinking about giving your time and your skills to charity. You may be thinking, I am happy to volunteer my time, but aren't I too young to be a trustee? Isn't it for people who are at the peak or at the end of their careers? What can I offer? The answer of course is no, you're never too young. 
as long as you're over the age of 16, and you have a lot to offer. It is astonishing that the average age of charity trustees in this country is 57. Whilst young people have been underrepresented on trustee boards in the past, there has been a big push in recent years for charity boards to diversify in all senses of the word, and that includes age diversity. Charities have been encouraged to embrace the benefits that come with having a group of people with a range of different experiences and viewpoints. Although it goes without saying that some charities may be quicker than others to get on board with this. Young people are more inspired than ever to get involved in causes they care about and becoming a trustee can affect change from the top down. A trustee role enables you to build skills and experiences that can help your career, as well as offering the charity your energy and fresh perspectives. Don't underestimate the skills you are bringing to the charity as a result of the hard work in your career to date. Becoming a trustee is hugely worthwhile, but it's also a big responsibility. Before jumping on board, quite literally, here are some things to consider. First, responsibility, which I just mentioned. Trustees serve on the governing body of a charity and have responsibility for the general running of the charity. It is important to understand what you're getting yourself in for when volunteering to be a trustee. The Charity Commission's online guidance, The Essential Trustee, is a great starting point for learning about the six core trustee duties. So I would really recommend that to you. Next, think about liability. Check the charity's legal structure. You can do this on the register I mentioned earlier. Whilst the law generally protects trustees that have acted honestly and reasonably, if the charity does not have corporate status, you are usually liable for the debts and, li and other liabilities of the charity. Charitable companies and charitable incorporated organisations have corporate status, whereas unincorporated associations and charitable trusts do not. If the charity is not incorporated, therefore, make sure they have adequate trustee liability insurance in place to ensure you are protected as much as possible. Next, think about training. Ask what sort of induction or training the charity gives to new trustees so you know what, what will be expected of you and what your responsibilities will be. If you are already a trustee and your charity doesn't have such training, suggest this to the board. Also have a think about your time commitment to the charity. I'm sure you all have very busy jobs, so think about how much time you are actually willing to offer. Ask the charity how often the trustees meet and how much time is required of you outside of meetings. Reading papers to prepare for meetings may not always be particularly exciting, but it is, it is an essential part of being a trustee. The final point is to choose a charity whose purpose you really believe in. You can't be a half-hearted trustee. Also, research the charity thoroughly so, so you are sure you are selecting the right charity to commit to. Look at their accounts, their activities, the composition of the board, their objects, their website. In short, look into as much as you can so that you are making a fully informed decision about whether or not to become a trustee of that charity. Finally, we're going to take a quick look at how to set up a charity. 
Now, you may have friends who, who have already done this. Maybe they have set up a small family grant making foundation or maybe friends from university have set up a charity to try and get people out of homelessness. If you want to set up a charity, there are lots of things you need to consider. Here, I'll take you through a few key highlights. The first thing to think about is what is the best legal structure for your charity? This is one of the most important things to get right. There are four main types of charities, charitable incorporated organizations, also known as CIOs, charitable companies limited by guarantee, unincorporated associations, and charitable trusts. Now there are pros and cons for each of these, but generally we recommend a corporate vehicle for charities being set up today for reasons we touched on earlier. So that's the, so that's the CIO and the charitable company. You also need to think about what your charity is set up to do and how it will achieve it. You will need to draft objects for the new charity that are for the public benefit and exclusively charitable under charity law. There are 13 descriptions of charitable purposes under which your objects have to fall to, be, to qualify as charitable. Some examples of these descriptions are the prevention or relief of poverty, the advancement of environmental protection, the advancement of amateur sport, and the advancement of the arts, to name just a few. You will need to think about what sort of activities the charity will undertake to carry out its purposes. In other words, how will your charity achieve its purposes? You'll also have to think about governance. You will need to draft a governing document for your charity, which sets out how the charity is run on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, the governing document will set out things such as how many times a year the charity will meet, how it can meet, who will be the first trustees, what will be the trustee terms, etc. You'll also, you'll also have to think about raising funds. How will the charity raise funds? Will it be from donations, from investments, or from fundraising, or perhaps another way? Once you've done all the above, you can then think about registering your charity. So applying to register, you will need to complete a detailed application form online to register your charity with the Charity Commission. The commission asks a lot of questions, so make sure you have thought everything through before you apply. The commission will only give you charity status if it is, if it is satisfied you meet the criteria. Now you need to think about how long this whole process will take. It can take one to three months and sometimes longer to set up a charity, especially when the commission asks for more information. So factor this in. Finally, be prepared. Setting up in a charity is an incredible thing, but be prepared for how much work it will involve. Read the Charity Commission's extensive guidance on what you need to know when setting up a charity. Setting up a charity can be one of the most worthwhile things you do, but you do need to make sure you get it right. So it is recommended to take legal advice if this is something you are considering. And that's it. This has been a whistle-stop tour, but I hope it has been helpful. Please don't hesitate to get in touch if you have any questions or would like to know more about any of the topics discussed. Thank you for joining us for this year's New Year, New You events. We hope the information we provided has been helpful. Following this session, we will be sending an email with links to video recordings and podcasts for all topics, so you could access the information at any time. 
This email will also contain contact details for all speakers. So if you have any questions or want to discuss the topics further, please do get in touch. At the end of this webinar, you will be shown a short feedback form. This is your opportunity to tell us what you would like to see covered at future events. So please take the time to fill this in. Thank you again for joining us and we look forward to seeing you at more events in the future.